everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies Cracking the Kid Code with Atara and Grace. I am Atara, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com. And Grace and I, my co-host, are here today speaking to a very important guest, Dr. Abdu Shakawi, an infectious disease specialist, who on March 5th wrote a Facebook post about the loss of reason in the face of panic over the coronavirus. Dr. Shikawi has been featured on countless media outlets, both in the United States and in Toronto, and appears regularly on the CBC, providing daily updates. I'm really happy to welcome Dr. Shikawi to our podcast today. How are you? Uh, I'm tired. I'm uh, a little uh, taxed. Um, I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm concerned. I'm a lot of things right now, um, sharing a lot of the same emotions I think a lot of people are. Yes, this really is a crazy time, especially for doctors and healthcare workers, and especially to be in the infectious disease world where you've been for so many years. But now I think that you said in your Facebook post, like you've never actually seen anything like the coronavirus. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I think what's really quite, uh, you know, unsettling about what we're seeing here is we're almost learning week to week uh, in terms of how this is uh, changing, how it's evolving. Uh, We initially didn't really suspect that there was going to be a lot of transmission from people who weren't exhibiting symptoms. Um, We didn't expect it to uh, be transmitted anywhere nearly as uh, efficiently as it has throughout different communities, particularly in parts of the first world. I don't think anybody would have fathomed what has happened in Italy, uh, for example. Uh, So it's certainly unsettling. It's disconcerting. And even from the point of view of a physician and someone who has seen so many different things, um, you know, it's uh, it's something that we're uh, definitely learning to respect and learning to uh, be aware of with uh, much more vigilance than we did even two or three weeks ago. Right. That, you know, I was going to say, you know, you wrote that Facebook post on March 5th. It seems like an eternity ago, you know, here at the end of March. Um, and I'm wondering if you if you still feel the way you felt when you wrote that, that the panic is is overwhelming, but is it not in proportion to what's going on? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we've gone through a sort of evolution of uh, emotions, if you will, as a global community. And I think that when I wrote that post, I guess what had made me feel particularly disheartened uh, was just the lack of of uh, reason and the lack of sensibility that I think a lot of people were exhibiting um, that I think made me feel quite saddened uh, about our lack of awareness of what is affecting others uh, much more disproportionately than what is affecting ourselves. Um, Really namely that, you know, healthcare workers were depending on having supplies available for them. Uh, Vulnerable members of our community uh, were dependent on having, you know, cleaning supplies and groceries available for them, including toilet paper. And I think that too many people, unfortunately, rushed to the conclusion that uh, their individual lives were at risk, that their individual freedom and their individual welfare was at risk. And therefore, you know, they would go to any length possible uh, to do what was needed uh, to take care of their individual needs uh, to uh, the detriment 
of everyone else's needs. And I think that's what really troubled me. Uh, it troubled me that there was a great deal of fear mongering going on with all kinds of misinformation about how you can get coronavirus, who's going to get coronavirus, how bad it's going to be when you get it. Um, and so that, that was really the prevailing motivation um, behind why I wrote what I did. Uh, if you're asking, have my views changed? I think they've tempered somewhat. Uh, I think I understand, first of all, uh, that the uh, importance of physical distancing, I don't like to use the term social distancing because I think there are plenty of ways in which we can remain social and connected with each other as a community and as a society without being in physical contact or physically proximal to each other. Uh, I've gained a much more, uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, important uh, sense of awareness of, of just how uh, crucial that is uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, I don't think um, that many uh, of my medical colleagues expected the degree of asymptomatic transmission to happen as effectively it ha as it has in the last few weeks. Uh, that has obviously uh, tempered my views a little bit and you know, I did go on the Dr. Phil show uh, a little while ago and say I would be comfortable going to a movie. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't feel that same way again. I think that I think that now um, we have to certainly respect the fact that this uh, this virus is traveling uh, more effectively and more insidiously than we could have imagined, and that you know the closures of public institutions, uh, the luxuries that we would ordinarily take for granted when it comes to entertainment uh, uh, being available to us, being able to dine out, et cetera. You know, I think we necessarily have to accept that those are sacrifices we will need to make temporarily. Now, I will say that a lot of what I mentioned in terms of things that I was still concerned about, that has not changed. Uh, I don't think there is a monopoly on concern. I don't think you have to let go of the concern that you're worried about economic unrest. I don't think you have to let go of the concern of social isolation, of mental health issues uh, becoming more prevalent uh, because of what's happening now with uh, the imposition of all kinds of uh, closures and resources being pared down to a minimum for people who, who need help. Um, I still share those concerns. I take. I, I, I will not apologize for saying that I think it's unfortunate that weddings have to be canceled or that family reunions can't happen. Um, those are unfortunate things, and I don't think that's trivializing what's going on right now. I think they're both situations that are unfortunate. Obviously, at this point in time, we need to prioritize. And at this point in time, life uh, and the health of our communities goes way beyond the importance of our global economy. Um, you know, human capital cannot be restored. Financial capital can be. So people ask me all the time, well, you know, how do you feel about this just destroying the global economy? Everything's going down the tubes. I, I get it. Um, but at some point in time, there's a way of restructuring that. We came out of the Great Depression. We came out of the global recession in 2008. There are a lot of intelligent minds out there with all kinds of creativity and ingenuity and the motivation is there for people who want to make money, for people who want uh, you know, the industrial sector and the business sector and every other uh, you know, uh, part of our infrastructure as a, as a global society to improve. 
you can do all of that, but you can't bring people back to life. So the fact of the matter is the priority right now has to be human life. It has to be human capital. And everything else, unfortunately, is secondary. Right. You know, it reminds me very much what you're saying of Maslow's hierarchy, right? It's a pyramid. And on the bottom of the pyramid is, is food, shelter, health. And I cannot go to the next level about worrying about money if I don't have the things on the bottom of my pyramid. And that's Maslow's whole um, point. And I think that you're saying that exactly. So um, we certainly concur with you. I think as a society, most people agree with you. Uh, there are outliers, of course, but generally we ne need to worry about the health of, of the population. And for people that don't need to die should not be dying, even if they're elderly, they could still have time to enjoy life. And we need to worry about how to protect protect those people. Isn't, isn't that true? Absolutely. And let's not forget, look, you can look at the statistics and have those become a sense of alarm for you and a sense of anxiety. But look, the numbers are huge in terms of the total number infected, well over 350,000 and climbing every day. But, you know, slowly but surely, the number who have completely recovered also goes up, you know, and it's been steady at around 40%. And, you know, you know, the longer this goes on, that number will continue to rise. So we still have to recognize the vast majority of people are not going to either require hospitalization or end up direly ill from this. But that comes with the cost of understanding that, you know, a good 20% of the population that is going to be affected from this will be critically ill and will be at high risk of dying. And the only way to prevent that from happening is for the rest of us to be very mindful of that and to recognize that we need to break that chain of transmission. And that's why it's, it's incredibly painful and it's incredibly disturbing when we see people not recognizing the importance of distancing. Uh, you can't expect that this is going to somehow miraculously go away on its own. Uh, it's not going to be dealt with with a vaccine anytime soon. You know, President Trump has unfortunately been, you know, uh, all over the place in terms of his false hope and leading people to believe that there is a game changer happening. There's no game changer here. There's no medication that's going to fix this in the next three or four weeks. What's going to fix this is everyone's individual habits in their own home, in their family, on their streets, in their neighborhood, at their workplace. Everyone's got to take responsibility for recognizing that if they do what they're supposed to do and keep a distance and keep their hands clean and know when to get tested and get that testing done, we're going to get through this. But any lapse in that chain is going to allow this to keep going on and the fire's just going to keep burning. That makes so much sense. The longer we don't take action, the longer we're going to stay inside, I think is the ultimate message here. So the quicker that we not only as uh, individual countries, but around the world, take actions, we stay inside, we wash our hands, we keep these very simple but profound um, ideals in our mind, the quicker we can begin our recovery globally. And economics is just going to have to be secondary to human life. Yeah, and I recognize that that's not something that's easy to reconcile. I don't think anybody who's been alive over the last hundred years would have anticipated we're going through what we are now. You know, I've been alive long enough that I could have never dreamt of the day where everywhere I look, I see relatively empty streets. I see 
almost everything shut down. There's a sense of surrealism in feeling like you can't let your kids go to the park, that you can't have kids play with each other, that it's risky to somehow go out and eat in a restaurant. I mean, these are jarring and, you know, almost abstract concepts to wrap your head around. So I understand that this is very, you know, disconcerting and it's hard for people to adapt to. But on the other hand, this is a fantastic opportunity to just slow right down. It's an opportunity to take stock of everything that's important in your life, to reflect on your fingerprint. What are you doing that's impacting your health? What are you doing that's impacting the health of people in your home? And more importantly, what are you doing that's going to impact the health of everyone around the world? This is a, a landmark moment where we have an opportunity as a global society to say, I did something good that's actually helping every single person by mode of extension in terms of a philosophy that I've adopted and in terms of a, a way of life that is beneficial to everyone much further away than myself. What an opportunity to embrace. When are we going to get that again? That's so well said. You know, Grace and I were just saying that um, a little while ago, that the world is going to be different after this. And it will be different in many ways. And this is one of the ways that it can be different in a good way, because we can use um, this time to really evaluate who we are as, 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 a, as people and who we are individually and where we want to go. And I think the, also the level of social responsibility that this brings to everybody is really not to be underestimated how important that is. There's no question about it. And, you know, it's not just social responsibility. It's environmental responsibility. It's financial responsibility. Everyone's going to have to do with, you know, making ends meet a little differently. You're going to have to get creative about how you're going to, you know, uh, you know, earn your paycheck. And obviously that's a lot harder for a lot of people compared to some of us who are more privileged and lucky and have a cushion to fall back on, uh, you know, what sort of indulgences we take for granted with respect to, you know, material that we use, polluting our environment, using up resources with respect to energy and water consumption. There's all kinds of great lessons here to be learned about what we do, and we just don't think of the consequences. And maybe this is a really fantastic opportunity, albeit with a rather unfortunate, you know, uh, sort of background to it for us to look into those things. Spending time with our family, communicating more in our own home instead of having to rely on, you know, all kinds of other media out there that kind of keep us more disconnected than we should be. Uh, we should be taking the opportunity to take advantage of all this stuff. I'm not saying that we somehow have to turn a blind eye to what we're experiencing. It's going to be anxiety provoking. It's going to be a challenge. But if we reflect on all those other things and we use it to our advantage, we're going to come out of this a little bit stronger. We're going to come out of this as a global community, learning some really, really valuable lessons about how we can live in a more healthy manner. I think that's well said. Can you tell us, I know you're on the front lines in the hospitals. What really is going on there? I know you're in Toronto. I'm in the U.S. Uh, Greece is in Toronto with you. What's going on there actually on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so the mood is obviously one that sort of oscillates between uh, somber and uh, tense, uh, anxious. Um, certainly, we haven't been in a situation yet here in Canada that 
you're probably seeing in New York and you know parts of California or Washington State that have been hit uh, particularly hard. But we're we're expecting things to get a lot worse. So we're kind of in waiting, uh, you know, now with the calm before the proverbial storm. Uh, there's certainly a great deal of anxiety amongst my colleagues and uh, people in 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 the uh, you know the health industry here about. Uh, what's going to happen in terms of the availability of uh, personal protective equipment. Uh, there's obviously a concern about the availability and adequacy of ventilators uh, because we anticipate again that the majority of patients that are going to be ill enough to require hospitalization are going to need that kind of support. Uh, and that's a big concern that we have. Uh, so, you know, right now we're kind of holding it together. There's a great deal of uh, camaraderie and morale that's uh, being exercised between different levels of care. And uh, that's been tremendously helpful, but uh, we're preparing for things to definitely get a lot worse. And, uh, you know, in a week or two, I, uh, I might be a lot more uh, stressed than I am now. Right. I, I'm hearing things here um, in the U.S. Uh, there was a young uh, boy or girl, I'm not sure, a teenager in L.A., who actually died of the coronavirus. I don't believe there were underlying conditions. Are you seeing more young people um, in the hospital? So we haven't seen a lot of young people who've had very bad outcomes. We have seen young people who've been generally quite healthy and haven't had a travel link of any kind, who've been unwell enough to be hospitalized, um, but uh, not that many who've actually been critically ill or who have died. But I will point out that it's important, and I think the message needs to get out to all young people and all those who think they're, you know, completely invincible here, that, that it's a dangerous uh, thing to assume. And uh, I'm sure you're aware of reports coming out of many parts of the U.S. that there are younger people who are doing quite poorly with this, some of whom are dying. And I think what needs to be recognized there is, look, Probability is only probability. It's not a guarantee. So even though we know that statistically 80% of these cases um, will be benign and only 20% will affect those that are most vulnerable, especially the elderly, there's no rule that says that that has to be the case. And we have to recognize this is a virus that mutates as well. So the greater degree of exposure it has within any particular community, the more likely it is to mutate. And so you may be that unlucky person who has the more lethal strain of this virus. You might be 25 and have nothing else wrong with you. And if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, because you haven't distanced and you haven't taken the right precautions for hand washing, look out. It's no guarantee that you're going to get through this. So young people in particular really need to take heed, uh, appreciate the importance of this and recognize it's not just the risk of making other people ill, it could make themselves ill. Absolutely. And there, there's such a misconception that the young will survive. Let's talk about misconceptions uh, just a bit. Um, we've, I, I've been watching some videos coming out of the state of Florida where um, there's people saying you can take a hand dryer to your mouth and get rid of the coronavirus. What do you say? Is there, is there any laws we can put in place to stop the spread of misinformation that could really be potentially lethal to somebody? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously an unfortunate byproduct of, you know, what is loosely defined as the information age. And unfortunately, the information comes with a lot of misinformation and disinformation. So the problem is, unless you're able to shut down the internet and shut down every Wi-Fi signal, it's going to be out there. 
the message should be that whomever is reading online or looking online uh, or watching anything should make sure they're getting their information from a credible source. You know, the World Health Organization, the CDC, you know, uh, a news outlet that is having someone with expertise in medicine, infectious disease, epidemiology, you know, someone with a medical background giving you advice. Uh, there's all kinds of nonsense out there about using hand dryers, about inhaling alcohol vapors, about, bre about bre breathing tests to determine if you already have this by holding your breath, uh, you know, by drinking copious amounts of hot fluids, by mega dosing on vitamin C. It is dangerous for this type of information to be shared. Uh, I think it trivializes the importance of other measures namely preventative measures um, that involve hand hygiene and distancing, um, that's way more important than anything else uh, that anybody could suggest. And, you know, unfortunately, once you start going down that path, uh, there's no end to things that are going to give people a false sense of security. Uh, and that's when we really end up in big trouble. Okay. I'm, I know you have to get back to your very important work. I just want you to give me one moment to just address. I had an email circulating about um, people who may have had um, the virus and now have immunity and they're using their antibodies um, to transfuse them into the sick. Is that something that you're working on? Is that something to give us hope? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the, the simple answer to that is we don't know. And okay. I know that that's an unsatisfying situation, but this is such a fluid and rapidly evolving scenario that we're experiencing now that it's not terribly responsible to give uh, very much in the way of advice until we have more experience behind us. Uh, that goes uh, even for all of the medications that have been in trial now for several weeks, you know, at an unprecedented rate of uh, being both published and, you know, uh, fast-tracked uh, to get the information out there. Uh, certainly, uh, in theory and in principle, it has promised that if we're able to uh, stimulate an immune response uh, through what's called passive immunity, so if you've got antibodies from people who have been known to recover, uh, could that help? In principle, yes. Will it help? We don't know. It's probably going to be weeks before we can get a, a, a good estimate if that is the case. In the meantime, don't wait for that. Don't wait for a cure. Don't wait for, you know, a game changer, as President Trump says. Wait for your own habits to be what's going to guide you and everyone around you to turning this thing around. That's the key thing. Everyone has the ability to do that. Everyone can wash their hands. Everybody can keep a distance from others. Everybody can think about somebody else's health and welfare. That's easy here. Okay, and I use that term loosely, obviously, but it's a hell of a lot easier than waiting for a wonder drug to emerge or for a vaccine to be developed or anything else. That's beyond your control. So let's focus on that. Let's remember what we can be, what we can be empowered to do, not what we're restricted from doing, and we'll get through this. Absolutely well said. Dr. Abdushakawi, thank you so much for coming on our show and enlightening our audience just a bit. I really appreciate having you on. We do. Thank you so much. It's so, it's our responsibility to uh, be socially aware enough to be physically um, distant from one another. So thank thank you. Thank you so much. Well said. Best of luck to you and hope your families are safe. 